Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, please visit our website at yourgracepoint.com. That's point spelled with an E on the end, P-O-I-N-T-E. The website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Now, here's Pastor Aaron Zielinski. You can turn to Genesis chapter 1. That's where we'll be beginning here very shortly. If you noticed last week, uh, we had our missionary. The week before that, we finished up working through 1 Corinthians. Uh, Here in June, we're going to begin going through the minor prophets. That would be the 12 smaller prophetic books in the Old Testament. They're not minor in significance. They're just shorter in length. So that's where they get the name from. But until then, over these five weeks of May, we're going to do five weeks talking about leadership. Leadership is a big deal. Some of you might think, well, I'm not a leader. I'm, I'm just more of a follower. I don't want to be in the limelight. I just want to be kind of back doing my thing. I'm good with uh, just doing what I'm told to do and not having to deal with any of the stress and things that come with leadership or overseeing things. So you think this is not for you. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> this is for you um, because we're all called to be leaders. And we're going to see that pretty clearly this morning. Uh, We're going to take this morning and look at leadership and scripture. Next week on Mother's Day, we're going to look at leadership and the family. Then we'll deal with leadership and making disciples. The week after that is Pentecost Sunday. We'll deal naturally with leadership and the Holy Spirit. And then the final week, leadership in Jesus. Because uh, if you weren't aware of it, Jesus was the single greatest leader who ever walked on the earth. Okay, we, we often think of him as our Lord and these spiritual things, but I don't care what it is. Who is the greatest teacher that ever lived? It was Jesus. The greatest philosopher that ever lived and spoke? It was Jesus. The greatest leader there ever was? It was Jesus. The greatest of anything? It's him. He's the ultimate paradigm for all good things because all good things radiate from him. But leadership, talking about today, Leadership is a big deal. Leadership is actually why I joined the Marine Corps. Uh, many of you know I was in the Marines and that I was in the infantry. Uh, some of you may know the story, some of you don't. Uh, I had never had intentions on going to the Marine Corps. Uh, it wasn't like as a child, I just was always playing military, running around in the woods and just couldn't wait. Uh, it wasn't that. None of my family that I know of were in the, in the Marines. Um, it just wasn't a thing. It was really more or less just a very incidental thing Uh, from human perspective, that I ended up in the Marine Corps. A friend of mine who was a year older was back on recruiter's assistant, and uh, he was there at school during lunch, and he said, hey, Aaron, I got to get, you know, 50 of these cards filled out. Will you fill one out for me? I said, sure, just to, you know, hook up a friend. Well, a week later, the recruiter calls me up, and we just kind of start talking, and next thing you know, I'm signing up for the Marine Corps. And you have to take the ASVAB. It's a test that, depending on how well you score on this test, determines what jobs you're eligible for. Uh, Academics have always been very easy for me. That's where God has really gifted me at. And so I scored high enough on the ASVAB, I could do any job I wanted in the Marine Corps. And so the recruiter's thinking, great, some of these jobs I usually can't get people to score high enough for, I can get this guy in. And uh, I said, he's like, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be in the infantry. He said, well, you know, you could do this or you could do that. I said, I, I want, want to be in the infantry. He said, you know how hard it is in the infantry? 
you got to do this and you got these hikes and 30 mile walks and all this stuff and it's miserable. You're out in the woods all the time. You're never in the barracks. It's still more uh, military wise. There's a, you know, because a lot of other jobs are, I don't know, they kind of turn into more of a nine to five. You're just in a uniform. But the infantry is a whole different animal. I said, I want to go in the infantry. I had a brother in, in the Air Force. He'd been in about 10 years. And he said, Aaron, what are you thinking? Don't be a dumb grunt. Do something that'll be useful when you get out. And that makes sense. You know, you go learn a skill in the military and then you get out and paid 10 times that doing it in the civilian world. And I said, you know what? I am. Because when I leave after four years of the infantry, I'm going to go to Bible college and be a pastor. What better leadership training can I get than the Marine Corps infantry? That's some of the best leadership in the world. And it really is. It, it, it is hands down. They, they do what they do well, like no other military force in the world. And so that's why I went in, ultimately, was the leadership training. Now, there, there was uh, one clarification. You know, Jesus is the greatest leader. Scripture teaches us how to be even better leaders than the Marine Corps infantry will. They have a, a great system with the way they do it, but I think we always kind of have to default to God. He created all things. He is the ultimate paradigm of a leader. But leadership is kind of a popular topic right now. It's pretty in vogue. If you Google leadership, you could find almost an infinite number of podcasts, of YouTube videos, of books, of magazines, of articles, you name it. There are tons of things on leadership. But leadership is also, a, has a lot of variety in it. It's a pretty varied topic, covers a lot of different areas, a lot of different things, a lot of different concepts, a lot of different philosophies, a lot of different um, topics in it. It's such a vast thing when you're talking about leadership. Because you can read in religious leadership on pastoring and leading churches. You can business leadership, both in the private sector and in public leadership, in politics and government. There's all kinds of stuff on leadership. But it's often very subjective. You know, because there's so many different areas, so many different perspectives, it's very subjective as to who says what and who thinks something is a good idea. And usually it's just dependent on results. If they're the CEO of a massive corporation, obviously they're a good leader. If their church is huge, obviously they're a good leader. And so all these people with these massive things, we tend to think, well, they must be the best at what they do. And so then we listen to what they say. That's not always a great idea. You know, Jesus, I mean, how many people, how many followers did he have? Pretty much 12. You know, one of them betrayed him. They all fled from him at his greatest need. And, and we're thinking, and this is the guy? Moses led, you know, a million or so people throughout the desert for 40 years. You know how many were actually obedient and made it to the next stage of life? Two. Think about that. Was Moses a great leader? Most of us would probably say yes. He had two people that actually made it. It's not as much results-oriented as we think. It's about faithfulness and obedience to God. That's the primary thing. So when we look at this and you're trying to, to wrestle with all of the different philosophies on leadership, all of the different styles, all of the different methods, all of the different principles and, and things, 
you have to ask yourself these questions. Are there right ways to lead? Are there wrong ways to lead? Is there a best way to lead? Because there, there might be some wrong ways, but that doesn't mean there are any particular ways that are the right thing to do or that you have to do. But as we navigate this, we're not left alone because remember, God sets the standard. And so we can see what God has revealed in his word, both through teaching in it, as well as what God has modeled because he is the ultimate leader. And we can learn from scripture what leadership is. And Jesus even modeled it. And I'm not gonna jump too far ahead um, to really dive deep into Jesus's life and teaching on leadership, but he modeled it as the greatest leader to ever walk the planet. And don't ever forget that. You're gonna hear me say that quite a few times because I wanna get it in our heads that if we say, who is a great leader for me to model my life after? It's Jesus. We can look at all kinds of other people in the world, but ultimately Jesus is the greatest person you can model your life after as a leader. So this morning, we're gonna see what scripture has to say about what a leader is. You know, what is a leader? Scripture defines that for us. Secondly, we're gonna look at who is a leader? because most people don't want to be leaders. And most of the people that really are just clamoring to be leaders, there's some pride issues, some things that need to be checked and balanced in there with humility. Um, But really all of us are leaders. And then why leaders? Because if you're not one that's really up for that, you're thinking, why in the world do we even need to be leaders anyway? Can't I just mind my business and do my own thing and not worry about everybody else? You know, I'm not a big people person. I'm kind of an introvert. I don't like all that stuff. Can't I just withdraw and be alone? Not really. God has called us to be in community, which means we have to engage people. The two greatest commandments, love God, love people. That really doesn't leave for the recluse among us, right? We, we have to engage people because that's what we're called to do. So first off, what is a leader? How do we define leadership? I think if we look at Genesis chapter one, uh, where God creates humans, Okay, he's, he's created the earth, he's created the sun, the moon, the stars, he's already made the, the fish, the birds, the, the cattle, the livestock, all these things. The last thing God is making is humanity. And that's because humanity is the pinnacle of creation. The kind of the crowning achievement of God, if you will, is the creation of humans. So, you know, when we look at beautiful landscapes and all these things, uh, we think, wow, God is amazing. You should look at another person with the same type of awe. And think, well, look at what God has made. These people, these human beings that are made in his image should be awe-inspiring. But listen to how this went down. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So when God said, I'm gonna make people, he said, I'm gonna make them and give them dominion. They're going to rule over my creation and oversee it for me. Now listen to what he says to Adam and Eve. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. That's the beginning of human leadership. From day one in the garden, the moment he created us, 
he basically told them to oversee his stuff almost as a property manager, if you will. He, he owns this thing. He made this thing. He says, now I want you to take care of it. Make it fruitful. Produce the fruits of the creation the way that I want to see it be and do this on my behalf. So I think if we want to look at leadership and what it is to do this thing, I would say it's one who a leader is one who oversees and carries out the plan of God on behalf of God in any particular relationship, situation, or circumstance. If you're writing, writing that down, keeping notes, uh, let me say this again. A leader is one who oversees and carries out the plan of God on behalf of God in any particular relationship, situation, or circumstance. Now, just to kind of point that out, you know, parents are leaders. Why? Because they're raising their children the way God has called them to. We're raising our children to love God, to love people, to grow into the men and women of God he's created them to be. We're raising them up according to the plan of God on behalf of God. You think of leaders within the church. You know, we're, we're shepherding the flock of God on his behalf. This, no pastor owns their church. It's God's flock that we are just caretakers of. Even in the business world, what are businesses doing? They're making things to better humanity, to further things, which is God's prerogative to, to further humanity, to care for the creation. Ultimately, everything we do is and should be on behalf of God to bring about God's plan for the world. That's what being a leader is. Now, how is that carried out? I would say, first of all, by following God. A leader is one who follows God and walks in the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we think of leaders and we think of autonomy of the person that's at the top of the, the pyramid, the top of the food chain. They're the ones calling the shots. No, a leader is never only accountable to himself. That's when bad leadership happens. That's when somebody like Hitler shows up. Make no mistake, Hitler had to be a great leader to motivate that many people to do the things he wanted them to do. But Hitler was not accountable to God and submitted to Christ's leadership and evil, terrible things happened. Anytime we go out on our own, we're no longer under God's grace and we lead in self-centered and self-serving ways. And that is not a biblical godly leader. A great leader is first a great follower. And that is true across the board. To be a great leader, you have to be a great follower first. Even Jesus fully submitted to the will of the Father, not taking the initiative on his own, but only doing what the Father said and led him to do. Secondly, a great leader is one who influences others towards a particular end. I think if you could summarize leadership in one word, it would be influence. Influencing people. Think about Paul. Paul influenced countless churches all over his region. They looked at Paul, they listened to Paul, they learned from Paul. He was an influence. If you remove him, history changes, lives change. Think about you, your influence shows how well you're doing as a leader. If you were not involved in people's lives, how would their lives be different? 
That's the amount of influence that you have there. And that's how biblical leaders lead through influence, through following God, through influencing people. Thirdly, through modeling. If you remove him, I didn't say that. I did say that. That was my voice, but I don't know what I was saying. One who models godliness in a given context. Leadership is by example. Okay, that's one of the primary ways we lead is by example. And this is something that, uh, you know, Jesus obviously started by saying, follow me. He, he blazed the trail and said, follow me where I'm going because this is the way. But that's something that's carried on. Paul says that. He says, follow me as I follow Christ. You can follow my example. He told Timothy, you know, if I ever write a book on pastoral leadership, I'm going to title it, Timothy was not a youth pastor. Because we tend to look at Timothy and we always relegate Timothy to the concepts of youth ministry. And I get it. Most youth pastors are younger and you're talking to teens and they're young. And so this whole thing about being young and being a Timothy, it, it kind of fits. It's just wrong. Because Timothy wasn't a youth pastor. Timothy was pastoring real grown-up adult churches and multiple ones. And Paul was sending him all over the place to go appoint elders. I mean, look at that kind of leadership. Timothy would show up and appoint elders in the church, shepherd the body for a while, and then Paul would send him somewhere else to appoint elders and get that church settled and then teach and instruct and gave him some very authoritative things to do. But listen to what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.12. After he says, command and teach these things, let no one despise you for your youth. Why? Because people don't like to listen to somebody younger than them. That's real. I don't know if you're aware of it, but that's a real thing. Um, I, I've experienced that. I'm by God's grace, for a few more months, I'm still in my 30s. That's not always a great thing when you're a pastor because the majority of people you're shepherding are older than that. And so then, you know, when, when I say things or encourage things like, well, you know, you don't quite have the life experience I do and this and that, and uh, you, you deal with that. You know, I, I started when I was 26, okay? I didn't even want to be a lead pastor, I wanted to be an associate or something for a while, learn some things, get some experience. I'd never taught Sunday school. I was never a youth pastor, never an associate pastor, never anything in the church world. I went right out of high school to the Marine Corps, out of the Marine Corps to Bible college. And, and then God saw fit that the only open door for me was to be a lead pastor at 26. Only one person in the church I went to wasn't twice my age. Right? Some of these people had been in that church as long as I'd been alive. And now I'm supposed to shepherd them. And I'm thinking like, God, how am I going to do this? You know, I don't, I don't have half the life experience that they do. I've never done this in leadership. I've never, um, I'd only preached maybe twice, I think, before starting to preach every Sunday. Okay, there were a lot of things not in my favor. But look at what Paul tells Timothy. Don't let anyone despise you for your youth. Your age is irrelevant. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. And God brought this verse to my attention. I said, you know what, God? I can do that. 
I might fail at a lot of other things. There might be a major learning curve and growth process, but I can go set an example. I can model what it is and just live my life sold out to you, following you with all my heart. I can do that. And that was sufficient because leadership is modeling. It's setting the example. And this wasn't something unique to Timothy when he was in Ephesus. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, you remember at the end of uh, 1 Corinthians 16, he says, don't let anyone despise Timothy when he comes. That was one of Paul's first letters he wrote, no doubt still the age thing. But it's not about age. It's about the example that you set. That's what a leader does. They set an example. And in, in the Marine Corps, this is something Marines are big on. Always lead from the front, okay? That's what Jesus meant when he said, follow me, because he was out in front leading and said, follow me. You don't lead from the rear barking orders at people. That doesn't work well. Nobody enjoys a boss that is sitting there just telling you what to do, not involved in it. That's not godly leadership. Godly leadership follows the example of Christ. You lead from the front, you show the way, and you say, come on, this is the way we're going, follow me. Not you go here, you go there, you do that. Fourthly, it's one who serves others to make sure they're cared for. Leadership is servanthood. Jesus is the ultimate example of this. You know, he took the, the lowest position of a servant and washed their feet completely unnecessary. There was no need for him to do that. But he said, I want to do this and set an example for you. This is how you lead. You care for other people and make sure their needs are met first. So a leader is one who oversees and carries out the plan of God on behalf of God in any particular relationship, situation, or circumstance. And we do that by first of all, being a great follower by exerting influence, by modeling, and by serving others. You know, if you look at the two greatest analogies in scripture of leadership, it's a servant, and what's the other one? A shepherd. Who said that? Good call, nailed it. Servants and shepherds, not domineering tyrants. That's not godly leadership. We're shepherds and we are servants. And we've mentioned this a couple of times too recently. I mean, you th if you think about a shepherd, their life is devoted to the sheep. They feed the sheep, they care for the sheep, they protect the sheep. Everything they do is for the sake of the sheep. It's not a self-serving thing. It's a very selfless, sacrificial thing to be a shepherd in the real world. There's no place for, uh, for pride, for arrogance, for look at me. No, leadership is serving. It's a posture of humility and of concern for and care for others. You want to be a man? Take care of your family. That's manhood. You want to show that you're something tough? Provide for the people under your charge. Those are the biggest things that we can do as leaders is fulfill the responsibilities God has given us and do it well. That sounds like a lot. So who's a leader? Right? We tend to think of who leaders are. We think of these great leaders throughout history. We think of them as people who have all these great leadership gifts, these talents, these leadership traits, very 
charismatic personalities that, that attract crowds and can motivate people. Who are some great leaders you know of throughout history? Just come to your mind. Benjamin Franklin, Franklin, great leader. George Washington, well-known great leader. Billy Graham Graham was a phenomenal leader. What about people from antiquity? Who are some ancient leaders? Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar. We know these people. They were such phenomenal leaders that, you know, whether it's thousands of years or hundreds of years later, we know these people by name because of what they did, how they moved people, what they accomplished. And so naturally, we tend to distance ourselves from from people like them who were these great leaders. And we think, well, leadership, that's not really for me, right? That's what we think. No, that really doesn't work out that way. Because remember what happened in Genesis 1. God appointed man, as in mankind, as in humanity, to care for his creation and to have rulership over it. How many of you are human? Right? That's everybody. You know, we have a lot of... uh, We have a lot of uncertainty with what we would think are very obvious things about our our personhood and our culture today. Um, But so far, we haven't questioned whether we're really human or not yet, okay? (laughs) We all know that we're people. We're, We're made in the image of God and we are humans. And as such, you are one of the, the only things in this creation made in the image of God. You know that? As a human, you bear the divine image like nothing else in creation does. And a part of that and the charge that God gave you makes you a leader. And that's where this whole thing is going. Look in Revelation. There are two places we see this in Revelation at least, and they're worth pointing out. In Revelation chapter five, we see this uh, where Jesus opens the scroll, or at least begins to open the scroll, uh, there's this great celebration in heaven because he's worthy to do this thing and bring open the scroll and bring about the will of God and his kingdom. And the people there sing a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. So what is your destiny in Christ, to reign on the earth. Think about it, you are destined to reign on the earth. You, yes, you, every one of you. And look at Revelation chapter 20. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for a thousand years. This has always been about God restoring us to what we were intended to do in the garden and that's oversee his creation and rule and reign with him and for him on his behalf. We see the same in in 1 Peter. He's talking to the Christians and he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're royalty. That implies necessarily leadership. That's, that's divinely inherited because we were made in the image of God and we are royal. We are created for and destined to rule and reign with Christ. 
As such, we are all leaders. You're a leader. Whether you like it or not, you're a leader. Whether you want it or not, you're a leader. So the question really isn't, am I a leader? The question is, how are you leading? You know, it's kind of like everybody has a theology. And they, well, I'm no theologian. I don't have a theology. Well, you do. It's just a severely underdeveloped theology, if that's the way you're thinking about it. But we all have a theology. It could be good or bad. You're all leaders. You might not be a good leader because you're not paying any attention to it, but you're a leader. You're influencing people. People are being influenced by you, whether you think they are or not. You might think you're the most obscure person that's not in the limelight. Nobody notices you. People notice you and they're influenced by you. That's just the way we're made. We're made to influence one another. And so it happens whether we like it or not. And I know that not everyone has a gift of leadership. Not everybody is going to lead in a position, so to speak. There are absolutely people that are gifted as leaders and people that are not. That doesn't mean those who aren't gifted as leaders don't lead at all. Very, very different things right there. And you have to understand that even if you're not in a position, you're still called to lead in various situations and various relationships. If you're in a family, you're a leader. If you have children, you're a leader. If you have grandchildren, you're a leader. If you have siblings, you're a leader because you're influencing your siblings. Even if you think, well, I'm the youngest, that doesn't mean you're not influencing them. They see things in you and they will learn from you and they can grow from you. If you're, if you're making disciples, you're influencing people for the kingdom, you're leading them. You might think, well, I'm not really doing that. Well, you should be doing that. We should be making disciples. We should be leading people in their walk with the Lord. If you have a job, you're a leader. Now, obviously, if you have employees under you, your management or something, but even if you're not, even if you don't have anybody else under you, you're still a leader because you're still influencing the other people around you. Your work ethic as a Christian should be the best work ethic that business has ever seen. And that work ethic should be contagious because the people around you should be like, man, what is wrong with him? Why is he always working so hard? He's always doing it joyfully. He always does what he's told. Why is he doing that? And why does he keep getting raises when I'm not? <laughs> when you work hard, God makes sure you're honored for it. But it's contagious. A work ethic is contagious. And as Christians, as those who follow Christ, we should be the hardest workers and set the example for those around us. Whether we have a name and a title and a position or not, we should still be influencing everyone around us by the way that they see us living our life. And you can do all of that without saying a word. You just mind your business, do your job wholeheartedly, and I promise people will be influenced by you. And you're thinking, well, I'm not, I don't do that. I, I, I goof around and I slack off and I sneak my cell phone when I can. And uh, you know, that's one of the most challenging things for employers today is to get people who aren't on their phone all the time. I mean, just as simple as being the only person at your office that doesn't pull their phone out 15,000 times a day would stand out and it would influence people. But you're influencing people even if you have a terrible work ethic and you are on your phone all the time. 
Because then the new guy comes in, he's like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, Jimmy's always on his phone. So I mean, I could be on my phone too. You've influenced them and not in a good way. But we're people. We influence others and we're influenced by others. That's just the way we're made and that's the way it happens. So like it or not, want it or not, you are a leader. And that's a privilege. It's something we shouldn't reject, something we shouldn't try to run from. It's a fact of reality by the way that we were made by God. We should embrace it. And purpose to lead well. Purpose to lead the way God created you to lead. But then we have to answer why. Right, why? Why does it have to be that? Why can't I just mind my business and do my thing and not worry about other people? I don't know about you, but I, I tend to naturally be that way. Okay, I worked at a quick lube for four years when I was in college. And you know what the best thing was? To be the guy in the hole, in the pit, under the, under the ground. All I did, I didn't have to interact with people. I didn't have to talk to customers. I, it didn't matter if I looked the best because I could just drop the oil plug, change the filter, put the plug back in. My job's done. It's great. I loved it. I loved just minding my business and doing my job and you don't have all the other stresses and things that come with it. But is that what God made us to do forever? No, because even there, I could still work hard and influence others. And when you're doing that, God tends to move things into different places. We can't just hide out all the time. God, God did not call us to do that. But it would make me ask all the time, why, God, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to go work in the office and talk to customers and all those things? He never answered me on that. He just did it. But why can't we all just be on our own? Why can't we just be individuals and not worry about the rest? That's not how God created us to be. I mean, that's the simple answer. That's not the way God made it to work. You know, you can say, well, why doesn't this wrench fit on that, that uh, bolt? Because it just doesn't fit. That's not what it was made for. You need to get one that was made for that and then it will work, right? We're not made to just be alone in isolation and not be influenced and not influence others. So do I really have to? Yes, you do. Remember, you're leading regardless of your desire. This is just how God made it. And he has tasked us as his image-bearing humans to bring about his will in this world. That is what God created us for. That is what Jesus died for, to enable us to be who we were created to be and to do what we were created to do. That is why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to empower us because we can't do it on our own. We need to be renewed and regenerated by the power of God through his death and resurrection and empowered by his spirit to do it. And that power is available for you to do it in. So yes, we, we have to because that is what we've been made to do. And really you see it in nearly every institution of humanity has leaders. If you ever see a leaderless company or society or organization of any form, it doesn't make it because we weren't made for that. We weren't made for it. There's no such thing as, as no leadership. It doesn't work that way. God made his creation to function a certain way and it's through leaders bringing about his plan. And who are the leaders? All of you. 
You are leaders. So if you take away one thing, the one final thing, the, really the only main thing I want you to take away from today about leadership in scripture, you know what a leader is and you didn't even really need a definition. We have a vague, pretty good understanding of what a leader is. But this is what you need to capture, that you were created to lead. And that's every one of you. Don't wrestle with whether it's true or not because you see it from scripture. Just accept it. Wrestle with that. Take some time to pray, God, help me accept the fact that I'm a leader and be intentional about leading. In whatever situation, whatever relationship, whatever place, be intentional about leading the way God created you to lead because you're fulfilling his will, bringing about his plans, furthering his kingdom on behalf of him. That is who you were created to be. So I wanna encourage you to exert your influence by modeling godliness before all of those who are around you. Serve others with all of your heart because Jesus wants you to help bring about his kingdom in this world. You know, you almost kind of, I don't know about you, but I get that picture of the, you know, Uncle Sam guy, like, you know, the army wants you. Jesus wants you. He wants you to further his will in this world. He wants you to bring about his kingdom. He wants to use you to make this thing be what he created it to be. Thanks for listening to this Grace Point podcast produced by Cave Media and presented by Grace Point Community Church in Decula, Georgia. For more about our church, the website again is yourgracepoint.com. That's yourgracepoint.com. Until next time, God bless you.